The College Game Day podcast is presented by Old Dominion Freight Line, helping the world keep promises. We got a real simple plan. One me and one mission. Georgia has won the national championship. You're a fan, you might think this is sports heaven. This might be college football heaven. This is ESPN's College Game Day podcast. Now alongside Pete Thamel, is Reese Davis. A smattering of rivalry games is someone poised to see their early season success go right down the tubes and the race for the ribeye, which is starting to look like uh, a battle for some type of cheap leftover fake steak. This is the College Game Day podcast for Friday, October 21st. We get ready to make some picks. Reese Davis, Pete Thamel, and Bill Connolly, none of whom have proven to be particularly adept <laughs> at prognosticating games and we are battling for the loser to buy the winners a nice steak dinner so far nothing but losers hill here bill you're leading the way sort of you're still you're seven games under 500 i'm, I'm 11 games under 500 and Pete <laughs> is 14 games under 500 against the spread what Pete and I have, have spoken briefly about this earlier in the week on the podcast. Bill, what in the world do you have to say for yourself and your fancy SP Plus prognostications? Well, I mean, SP Plus is doing pretty well. It's just, you know, the game. Well, then we why aren't you? How, how can you? <laughs> I know, I know. SP Plus is so Again, great. How come you're not doing I, great? I promise from the start, I can overthink things better than anybody in the world. And on one hand, but on the other hand, and, and when that happens, <laughs> bad. but look, I'm Iowa here. I'm basically as I've dragged everybody into the muck and I'm winning in the muck. And so I'm good. Like I, you know, it doesn't really matter what the record is. Winner is the winner. You know, Pete brought up something on uh, on Wednesday. Pete, why don't you lay it out for him when we were going through the AP rankings and I was pounding the table, which I will continue to do until playoff expansion for a threshold for these conference champions. What did you want from Bill? So, Bill, this is sort of where we uh, where, where our discussion and we 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 sort of agreed to disagree on some of the tenets of it. But philosophically, I think we were the same. So Reese was saying that in the new iteration of the playoff, once the the UCF, Cincinnati, BYU, Houston crew has jumped up. He doesn't want it to be a charity if a four-loss team from the group of five or a three-loss <laughs> team or an unranked team from the group of five is the highest-ranked conference champion. So what we thought statistically, and this could be like a homework assignment, Bill, that you don't want because Bill writes 72 articles a week, so he doesn't need any more work from from from, from our his goofy podcast friends. But what do you think is a fair threshold for the group of five um, for that the sixth highest ranked conference champion. Right. Yeah. I mean, at this point over the last decade, obviously, you know, the power conferences will have stolen most of the good ones, but I would say, I mean, number one, there's not going to be a four loss team. in. Yeah. It'll be, that, that was a, loss, that was, but, hard but yeah, like my, my one concern, like I could easily accept some sort of like, you've got to be ranked otherwise no kind of deal. Um, but knowing how the rankings process works, where the, you know, the teams basically, where the, the committee members, they basically select a batch of teams and then they, um, you know, discuss them and then they rank them. Basically, it's like just a piecemeal poll kind of deal. I feel I, I worry about, you know, 
you know, you get down into the twenties when you're discussing those teams. I worry about suddenly, you know, you're you're not voting on who's number twenty one anymore. Anymore, you're kind of trying to manipulate whether you know Boise State or San Diego State or Toledo or whatever should be ranked at all uh, because of that threshold. So that, that's my one concern. Is it it kind of gamed the system a little bit? But generally speaking, I mean, if you if you just put it at twenty or twenty five, that's you know you, you're certainly going to get any, any of the G fives who have a chance to win a game um, in the playoff will probably cross that uh, you know clear that that bar. So uh, explain this to thought. explain this to me then. Because I understand what you're saying. If I'm having a legitimate discussion with other like-minded people on a committee mm-hmm. about whether a team, conference champion or not, should be ranked at all, mm-hmm. what the hell are they doing in the playoff? Why would they be in the playoff? I mean, my, my only response is that college football, FBS college football, is still like the only – you know, any other sport, if you're ranked, you're probably in the playoff or, or really close to it. And so FBS is the only thing in the world that's different from that in any way. Um, so, you know, I mean, it's it's fair. You're not going to if you're number 20, if, if we're trying to figure out whether you're number 23, four, five or six, you're not going to win the national title. So but, why are you in the playoff? But I mean, every other sport, it's about inclusion as well as who's going to win. And uh, no. I love inclusion. I love it. I love <laughs> You know, I love that part of the deal. I love the fact that, and, and I like meritocracy, Bill. All right, let's put it this way: when when, when you do that, th- when you go down to Dallas for that playoff, you know, in, in mm-hmm. October they invite some media members down there, and you sit in the room and you you debate. They always do 2014 as the example. Um, that's the year where you know Boise State ended up getting the G5 spot, um, and you know, obviously they would have been a playoff too, I guess. But Marshall. Um, one loss Marshall, an um, incredible Marshall team who who absolutely had the talent to win one of those games. Uh, they had a couple of, of power conference. I don't remember. Was it was like Louis, Louisville and Georgia Tech, somebody like that. And they had um, basically their schedule, their non-conference schedule fell apart and, and it ended up being an extremely soft schedule like BYU a couple of years ago. Um, now, BYU ended up ranked just fine, but Marshall, you know, anytime you're in that room, the, the ain't played nobody chorus starts to speak up. And what should have absolutely been a top 20 Marshall team, you know, half the people would have, wouldn't have voted them in, in the top 25 at all because they because they were unfortunate enough not to have played anybody. So that's that's my one concern there. You can we, we have ain't played nobody itis sometimes, and and we we that biases our, our our selections, and it would have left out potentially a really good Marshall team that could have had, won a first. Had had, had they let me ask you this: had they played anybody? <laughs> ain't ain't played had, nobody. No, no, no. I said, did they? Oh, um, I mean, not really is the answer. Well, no, but I mean, I, I have my, my fancy math that can tell you they were still a top 20 level team okay. uh, they, when they had the opportunity to, to prove it. The, and, and see, here, here's my thing on it. It's not really a team like that that bothers me. Right. It's, it's a team because th- look, this is going to happen. A lot of years like last year, no problem. Cincinnati, you know, clearly I, I advocated. I thought they belonged in the playoff. I mean, they're fine. Couple of years ago, even if you had twelve, Coastal Carolina, no problem, I'm yeah. good. What I'm talking about is there, and I think sort of like I think we differ on this. I think there will be a year where there's a three or four loss. The sixth champion is that because maybe a conference fell in a certain way 
where you had a dominant team. The second team had three losses, maybe four, you know, overall. They're the top two teams to play in the conference championship game. There's an upset, mm. right? I think it will happen. That's my that's why I'm advocating for the threshold bill is is to guard against that. It's not to keep out the marshals. It's right. not to keep out the Cincinnati's or the well BYU's well, BYU will be fine in the future. They'll right. be in the Big 12. US, UCF. UCF. It's not yep. to keep those deserving teams or capable teams out. It's from stopping the charity cases. We've yep. but it's Friday. It's game day. <laughs> game day before this. I, I want to get this out of here because I'm pounding the table. I want them to change it. I'm adamant about this. I want there to be some type of threshold to guard against that. But let's pick games. Let's do better. Let's let's pick all winners this week. Taylor, what do you say? Let's get started. All right, boys, let's do it. The stakes are stakes. And uh, just a reminder of last week's uh, your your work. Bill was four and five. Reese, two and seven. Pete, two and seven. And while you guys may despair, you know, there's only a five point gap between Pete and Bill. So very easy to make up some ground. A lot of weeks left. You know, I. I uh, what Pete, you have a face right now that you seem I'm just, like I'm just, I'm just so dis- disenchanted with my own performance. That's it. That, that is it. Is it, that is that is a face of mockery of my own uh indistinguished picking here. So, what, what you and I just do, I'm Pete. thinking of the people listening right now being like, Can you end the referendum on 2014 Marshall and start with your bad pick? <laughs> <laughs> That's a Pete, what you should do is do what I do and blame the coaches for blowing games. I was watching a replay the other night of, of TCU and Oklahoma State. And I, if, I, if memory serves, I was on Oklahoma State. They have a 24-7 lead and get a fourth down stop in the red zone yeah. and immediately just punt the ball back and let TCU get great field position to score. No, we got to drive down the field, take control of the game. But that didn't happen, so I Sorry. missed I missed that one. So we we were right. the The teams were wrong. There you go, Bill. Now you now you're coming around, Bill. Now you and I are seeing eye to eye. That's good. How many people picked Tennessee? I was like proud. I left there thinking I'm going to do well in my picks this week as we escaped Neyland Stadium. I was like, I had I Tennessee. Sure I, I had them covering. Yeah, yeah. I, I I didn't. I took I took Alabama almost as a contrarian pick because I felt like everybody was going to pick Tennessee. So, all right, we, uh, yeah, let's, let's, let's spiral back into our, uh, picks abyss here. Stalling is over. It is good. Let's do it. Orange on orange Syracuse at Clemson Clemson, a 13 point favorite. Let's go Reese Pete bill. Spent a lot of time on Wednesday talking about this being an evaluation, if not a referendum, on how much DJ Uyangalule has progressed. And he sees a 3 3 5. Um, will they be able to move the ball effectively? I don't think Syracuse is going to be able to run. And I sure don't think that if you're going to move the ball in Clemson, you need to do it by throwing the ball down the field. Not sure that's their strong suit. I'm going to. I'm going to say the nation's longest winning streak extends, as does the nation's longest home field winning streak. And I'm going to take Clemson and lay the 13. I was looking up uh, the health of Garrett Williams, the Syracuse corner, who uh, 
who went out in that NC State game. And I was going to uh, tell all potential investors who uh, who definitely should not be investing if they're listening to us um, to make sure they get a Garrett Williams update before the uh, Clemson game. He is a valuable piece of uh, Tony White's orange defense. I feel like as much as this game is going to test DJ Uyunglele and how he reacts to the 3-3-5, I also just think... Garrett Schrader and Sean Tucker are going to run into a cement wall. And I really think Syracuse is going to struggle to move the ball and to score. And I feel like Will Shipley could be in for another uh in for in, in for another ride. If 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 Clemson is patient, I think they'd be able they'll be able to move the ball on the ground. Clemson does not have a dominant offensive line, but they have a competent one that hasn't always been the case throughout this great run they've been on. So I, I feel like this game's like a grind in the first half and Clemson pulls away, wins by 17. Yeah, ignoring – here's what – I mean, from this point forward, I should just – anytime I have a chance to make a unanimous pick, I should do it um, yes. just to solidify the lead. I'm, I'm going to immediately <laughs> go against that, and, and, and I'm going to go with Syracuse. And basically – I don't love the matchups here uh, for Syracuse. Obviously, you know, Clemson will run if you let them, and, and that's been their by far Syracuse's biggest weakness this year. They really don't have a very good run defense. Uh, the pass defense is awesome and um, an aggressive and should really test Uyangalale uh, nicely. But yeah, I, I mean, Will Shipley is the reason Clemson's going to win. I'm going to I'm going to pick Syracuse to cover though, be, because my numbers are screaming at me to do so. Um, and, and it's basically this: six games this year, Syracuse has overachieved, has beaten the spread five times, and has overachieved SP plus projections five times. I don't think we've really figured out exactly where they are yet. We keep you know bumping them up and, and raising their ranking, and they keep overachieving still. So we're still trying to find that. Um, and even with that, SP plus still only says Clemson by nine. So that's my entire <laughs> logic. I don't love. I, I I do feel well. It's a close game, and Clemson always wins close games. So I still feel comfortable saying Clemson's going to win. But, yeah, I, I think this one will be tough for them to pull away. It is good! Next up, we've got Ole Miss going to LSU. LSU, a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Let's go Pete Bill Reese. The line swung pretty drastically in this game. Yeah. I think I sent it uh, to uh, to the group text uh, earlier, and – I uh, I agree with the Vegas juice here. I really feel like LSU is well positioned to stop the one trick pony of the Ole Miss offense, and uh, I give Lane, Lane Kiffin all the credit in the world for for getting this ham and egging this LSU team to uh, to to a seven and zero start. Um, I just really feel like this this is where like just talent and mano on mano comes in. And I don't think Ole Miss is going to have the juice without any sort of significant pass game in order to uh in order to 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 go in and in and win in Death Valley. So I am uh I'm going to take uh I'm going to take the Tigers to uh win in cup. This one's hard because I mean, Ole Miss passes pretty well. Like they're, they're per pass, their numbers are, are pretty good. When they fall behind schedule, they catch up, all of those things. So I think maybe they're capable. They're running so much. Like it really does. Like if you put more on Jackson Dart's shoulders, is he really going to, you know, the the rates that he's established, is he going to keep those up? And and that makes it really tricky. I'm, I'm kind of, I feel like just going with the hot, hot hand here. Ole Miss still 
they've been so good early this year. Their defense is starting to fade a little bit, and I think that's going to catch up with them very soon. Uh, but I still like the potential of the offense. If LSU is able to slow down the run, I think they've got enough tricks in store. Uh, we've seen all the ceiling and all the floor of LSU in the last two weeks. And, and it, you know, it's hard to know what to make of that, which one we're going to see more down the stretch here. But um, yeah, I don't love this pick, but I'm going to stick with Ole Miss until they, until it backfires. My gut tells me Ole Miss, but there was a stat. I don't have the exact number in front of me, but it applied in the USC Utah game last week that Chris Felica brought up on college game day that when an undefeated team is an underdog to a team with two losses or more on the road, <laughs> that favored team at home has an incredible winning percentage. And all, although it was a great and thrilling game, Utah did it again uh, to USC this, this past weekend. I like Ole Miss a hundred times better than I like LSU as a team. <laughs> um, and I am very wary of, of that stat. But I'm, I'm going to tell you, I think the creativity, I think the fact that LSU has been kind of, uh, you know, a little mercurial, you know, you don't know exactly what you're getting. And Ole Miss could fall into that category, too. But Ole Miss is, is different. They, they, they play in spurts. <laughs> they play and then they sort of doze and then they play and then they doze. Uh, so I'm there's part of me that wants to analyze this to death and a, a two loss team that's favored slightly at home against the undefeated team, which tells you that the Vegas people don't really believe in Ole Miss. But since it's such a tiny number, if I just even had a field goal, I'd probably take LSU. But I'm going to take Ole Miss and say that Lane uh, puts a little more heat on Alabama in the West and uh, and stays undefeated in a good one in a rivalry game in Baton Rouge. If it was at night, I would absolutely be taking LSU, by the way, but it's not, so. It is good! Next up, the Ting and your Tang Tang game. UCLA headed to the five-star boutique hotel that is Oregon. Oregon, a six-point favorite. Let's go, Bill Reese Pete. Bill, start by telling us if you'd wear a toga if you were at this game. (laughs) I I, I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> Under any circumstances, no, at this point. Uh, 20 years ago, maybe. Um, no, this this game, these are two of the teams I've really been leaning on. Just I think we've been – I think the books have been underestimating these two teams for a while. Um, and, you know, the, the, the numbers early on, the efficiency numbers early on, especially for Oregon, suggested like, yeah, they got crushed by Georgia. They're still going to – they're going to be a really good offensive team when they start playing mortal defenses, and they have been. So – this is hard. Like I've been, I've been sticking up for these two teams and I just think it's going to be close. I'm going to pick UCLA because I think it's going to be closer than six. I'm not really sure who I like in this game. They're both extremely similar, extremely offensive, uh, extremely efficient offenses, extremely iffy defenses. Any stop in this game is going to be a pretty big one, but I, I don't really know who to pick uh, straight up, but that tells me to pick UCLA. Really on the same page with you, there, Bill. Uh, Oregon's defense hasn't been good on third down. Been pretty good against the run, but they they don't get the field. They've yeah. given up some yards passing, a lot of uh, yards after the catch, all of which seems to play into into Chip's wheelhouse. You've got a veteran uh, team in LA in uh, UCLA, I should say. A lot of old guys on that team. Um, 
I'm not going to be surprised at all if Oregon wins the game, but touchdown touchdowns too much, uh, yeah. too much delay with this being the next big test for Oregon after Georgia, with all due respect to BYU. I, I'm going to take the Bruins and, and the points on the road. So my, thankfully I get to disagree with you guys. I have a chance at winning finally. <laughs> yeah, seriously, um, we're going to, you're either catching up or, or falling away behind here. Yes. Yes. I, I, I know who, what the odds would say, what, what, which result is, <laughs> um, you don't need to be a statistical analyst to know that I, I am still, it's, it's interesting, right? Oregon, if they played uh, Montana state to open the season, we'd be gaping at their offense, right? Like a, a, a gasp saying, Oh, wow, this is uh, you know, this is a juggernaut. This is dominant. They're in the top 10, top 20 in almost virtually every category. And then UCLA, they haven't really played anybody until Washington and Utah. So I just, I think that Oregon has, is is a very young, very talented team that's really gotten a lot better. And as they have sort of improved and roared, we're still all thinking about that game in the Georgia Dome in, uh, in, in early. So I, I could see Oregon just handling UCLA because they have just handled pretty much every team they played since. Like it, it, it hasn't been, it hasn't been close. So um, I, the conditions I do think may, may favor UCLA cause they can go three tight end and, uh, and, and such, but, um, yeah, right now I will, uh, I will, I will stick with, uh, with, with our friends, the ducks, just on the, just on the theory that we've, we've seen it, we've seen it from them. And I think Bucky Irving can just grind, grind it out in the rain. And, uh, you know, Terrence Ferguson is, is a weapon at tight end. There's some great tight ends in this game and, and, and Bonix has been outstanding since yep. the opening game when he was not. It is good! Texas, a six-point favorite on the road at Oklahoma State. They Texas might be back. Vegas might want people to think they're back. Let's go Reese, Pete, Bill. I'm taking Oklahoma State at home. Um, I really like this Texas team. David Pollock said on game day a few weeks ago that he thought maybe Texas was the best team in the Big 12. But Oklahoma State coming off that disappointing loss to TCU, backs against the wall at home, getting points, capable offense, more than capable. I think they're in top five in the country in scoring offense, so they'll be able to keep up. I think there'll be a little bit of a bad taste. They've had Texas number, albeit you know through various Texas regimes. I think they've won eight of the last 12 is one of those um this is one of those games for a lot of the players on the Cowboys roster that were overlooked and you never forget those types of things give me a touchdown in Stillwater against Texas I'm going to go with the Pokes and and take those points and and start with a six nothing lead or seven nothing lead or whatever it'll be to start the game I think it's five of seven. You're probably right with eight of 12, but I think Oklahoma State has won five of seven in this uh, in, in this series right here. Oklahoma State's interesting, right? Because they're sitting here at 110th in total defense right now. And uh, when you look at their uh, when you look at their pass defense, their pedestrian pass yards allowed, they're 126. It, it this comes down to a litmus of how much you trust Texas. Right? How much you trust the evolution of Texas to go win in what will be a hostile environment and what has been a difficult game for the program and what they're able to do on the road. If Texas does win, I do think it is in a manner in which they beat Iowa State. It is a slog 
And uh, the, the, the worry, if, if, if you're going to pick Oklahoma State like I am here, um, just because you, you like the points and you like the venue, is that Quinn Ewers could pick them apart and Xavier Worthy mm-hmm. could pick them apart. That's the, that's the counter, and that's why Vegas is good at their job. But right now, I am still going to take a pinch of Texas skepticism until they prove otherwise. Uh, and this is a difficult road test, though, with Ewers, much like Texas Tech was a difficult road test uh, without him. Yeah, six is a lot. Basically, um, I, I feel like this is you know to get to that line, you have to believe that if Oklahoma State wins, it's like by two or three, and if Texas wins, it's by you know fifteen or something, mm-hmm. and then you split the difference and you're at six. But um, I'm also hooray unanimity. I'm going to go with OSU here as well mm-hmm. for for that oh, specific no. reason. It's just this Hook is em. a this is a lot. That's right. Go go horns. Um, a touchdown is a lot for Oklahoma State. They're really mature. They're really physical. Um, and we saw we we finally saw a couple of the the glimpses of of kind of Quentin Ewers. I, I don't know if inexperience is the right word here, but just Iowa State was able to bait him into some pretty casual mistakes. Um, and it was a nice reminder that he's barely been doing this. He's barely been a college football quarterback. And, and um, you know, I'm not, I, I'm not even talking about that play where he was throwing it at the uh, running back's feet, but then his, suddenly the running back was behind him and he almost had the, the funniest fumble loss of all time. But even downfield, they were able to bait him. They were able to make him see things he wasn't really seeing. And I figure Oklahoma State can do that too. They're going to hit him a decent amount. Even if Texas wins, you, I, I'm much more comfortable saying it's by two or three. Next up, Minnesota heading to Happy Valley, Penn State, a four and a half point favorite. Tanner Morgan, a game time ish decision, not ruled out yet for Saturday. Let's go, Pete Bill Reese. Yep, my understanding of Tanner Morgan is that there's a chance he plays. He is, you're absolutely right, Taylor. He has not been, uh, he has not been ruled out yet. For those investing in this game, that is quite a large factor. Um, <laughs> is as as how the game will, uh, as how the game will go. Uh, you know what a what a collection of tailbacks we've got here, right? Nick Singleton, Katron Allen, and obviously Mo Ibrahim's back uh, from his ankle injury. Came back last week. I just think with some ambiguity over Tanner Morgan right now. And and this is a general statement, not a specific statement in Minnesota. What we've seen with head injuries, as we, as we look back post Tua, we've seen schools be cautious right now. I'm not sitting there with the doctors looking at everything, but when you say generally, when you look at Dylan Gabriel, generally, when you look at guys, they have missed, they have missed a game after after head injuries again this is not specific to that case but i do think universities now are are perhaps going to be a touch more cautious as they as they generally should be so that said i'm going to take penn state maybe if we find out morgan's going to play i would think a little harder about uh about the gophers but uh i'm going to uh i'm going to think penn state which had a good run defense until they played until they played michigan (laughs) Could 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 revive a little bit of that. I don't think the Gophers have a very good offensive mind, and I don't think it will be able to create the holes that Michigan's do. Yeah, for me, this is all about Morgan's uncertainty. I'm shocked that he's even a game time decision here. I, I really that that felt like okay, he's going to be out in a couple of weeks at least uh, when it happens. So I mean, good for him in that regard that it's not that serious. But I'm going to. Uh, I, I'm going to assume it's less like uh, you know it's likely that he probably doesn't play, and if he doesn't. You know the the backup quarterback did not inspire confidence last week. Like two picks and six passes, and 
Um, Penn State usually, I looked it up, like Penn State, in their history of getting destroyed at the big house, they tend to respond pretty well. So we've got that going <laughs> for us in making this pick. Um, they won out in the regular season in 2016. I think they won their last three in 2018 as well. So it doesn't doesn't seem like this kind of experience lingers on them Um I'd be my number still think Minnesota is pretty good, especially defensively. If they if, if Morgan was playing, I would probably go with 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 Minnesota, but I can't. I, I I gotta go with Penn State here. I've been on the gopher bandwagon from the start. I thought they would win the Big Ten West. Um, that does not, I mean, it's they're not out of it, but that does not appear uh, as if it's going to happen this year. They can run the ball. They've got one of the best offensive linemen in the country and John Michael Schmitz and making a lot of midseason all-American teams. Uh, and so forth. But the last two games, I mean, they've scored 10 points and 14 points. They've thrown no touchdown passes and six times the other teams caught the ball. Um, you know, in fact, the uh, Illinois caught the ball half as many times as Minnesota caught the ball uh, when the Gophers tried to pass on Saturday. It was not great against Purdue either. Uh, after Penn State was sort of had their, uh, had their manhood shaken in the big house last week, uh, a one-dimensional team coming in there, even even all with a good running game as Minnesota has, and the poor run defense that uh, Penn State had against Michigan. One would think that maybe Minnesota would have a chance, but uh, I've been a little disappointed in the way the Gophers have played offense uh, since the Michigan State game. After watching the Michigan State game, I was like, "Holy cow!" I know Michigan State's not good, but they were just so efficient and. Uh, Morgan was so accurate, and then you were able to balance that with that powerful running game and, and good defense. But you know, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take Penn State. I figure it's a low scoring game. Maybe Minnesota can stay within the four and a half, but I'm gonna take the Nittany Lions at home and sort of learn my lesson on the Gophers until they can sort of get some of their offensive problems worked out. It's a football Friday, and if you're searching for more football content to get you primed for the weekend, look no further. ESPN Podcast and Omaha Productions have been hard at work on a ton of NFL content. Your options for listening include the Dominique Foxworth Show, the Mina Kimes Show featuring Lenny, Kyle Brandt's Basement, Fantasy Focus Football, the Adam Schefter Podcast, and the Bill Barnwell Show. I know that's a lot, but there's nothing wrong with having options. You can follow all of those shows wherever you're listening to this podcast. All right, last one here before we get to our locks. Kansas State traveling to TCU. TCU, a three-and-a-half-point favorite, a battle at the top of the Big 12 table. Let's go, Bill, Reese, Pete. I heard table, soccer fan. I heard that, that was a nice uh, reference. <sighs> this one is, well, first of all, my numbers don't help at all. They have TCU by four right at the line, and and so I got to go on my own here, and I, I never like doing that. I Kansas State, if they just score, you know, if, if they have like five more decent minutes against Tulane, they're, they're undefeated in like what seventh in the polls right now, eighth, something like that. They've looked fantastic since. Uh, well, uh, you know, uh, Iowa State, you know, they look fantastic defensively at least, but this is a really, you know, a, a really solid team that I think, you know, threw us off the scent by laying kind of an egg against a pretty decent Tulane two, two team. Um, I guess I'm going to go all that said, I guess I'm going to go with TCU if only because 
if they whatever advantages TCU finds, they're going to get a lot of points from it. They're they're a, a pretty relentless team at the moment. Uh, they can score quickly. They they don't necessarily go at a at a ridiculously heavy pace or anything. But I I feel a little more confident in in if TCU wins, it ends up being by ten or thirteen, something like that. This is a I love the Big 12 this year. I, you know, it was fun last year. It's even more fun this year. Every single week there, every game is either 40-something to 40-something or it's decided by three points or both. Um, I figured this one, uh, you know, I, I don't really know if it'll qualify as that close, but I guess give me TCU here. Talked to Sonny Dykes this week, and, um, you know, he is really, really pleased with how quickly his system, his culture's been implemented, talked a lot about their uh, nutrition and training and built to sustain and all of those types of things. And, you know, I keep I keep trying to short TCU every week because I, you know, I, I keep expecting uh, some type of slippage. It should have happened Saturday. Oklahoma State had them on the ropes. They missed some opportunities, missed a couple of chances early for interceptions that might have really uh, almost put that game out of reach. But woulda, shoulda, coulda. TCU won the game. They deserve credit for that. Duggan's been sensational. It's one of my favorite stories of the season that he got his starting job back and he is balling. They're fun to watch. They've got Pete's man crush and Quentin Johnston. And I'm going to do what I should do a better job of in my picks and stick with some of my preseason hunches. Um (laughs) Kansas State doesn't wow you in any particular area, save having, you know, Martinez and Deuce Vaughn, both, you know, I don't know, top 30 or so rushers in the country. But I'm going to go with Kansas State here. Uh, TCU has beaten ranked opponents three consecutive weeks for the first time in program history. They're trying to make it four straight against Kansas State. Um, I'm going to say that it's Kansas State who continues to throw the Big 12 uh, upside down, and that they will be on top of the standings. I'm not using the other term that you guys use for the fake football as opposed to the real football. So, atop of the standings in the Big 12 will be Kansas State standing alone at the end. I feel like this K State team is constructed to go win this game. They have the seventh ranked rush offense in the country, like we talked about with Deuce and Adrian. They can shorten this game. They have the 15th best pass efficiency defense in the country. So my guy, Quentin Johnston, isn't going to do to them what he did to Kansas. Um, I really feel like when you when you, when you step back, this allows Chris Kleiman to kind of bring some of that North Dakota State edge that we've seen a lot manifest itself this year into this game. And I can just see the start of the Sunny Dykes fade that Reese has been waiting for that hasn't happened yet. So I think climbing drags him in the mud. I think the fade begins. You you make it sound as if I'm rooting against <laughs> Sonny. And, I, and I'm not. He, he's as nice a fellow as you'll ever meet. Oh, he's the know? best. Great. Uh, yeah. His be, teams fade, though. Like, they do. They, That's they do. They have. And I would be pleased if uh, this is yeah. – well, maybe not for this particular game. If he's, going to, if he's going to avoid the fade, hopefully he'll do so by less than three and a half. But, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and then everybody's happy, you know, if, if that happens. But, yeah. you know, I, I like TC. Guys, like, TCU is a fun element to have fun. in the playoff yeah. mix, right? No and doubt. I want the Big 12 to really have a, a stick in it. And uh, if they lose, I'd have to take another peek at it. But I don't think there's anybody screaming for a, one of those four spots if they lose. No, probably not. Uh, let me, on the sub, before we do our locks. Uh, there was a story, I don't know who wrote it, uh, about Sonny 
uh, on ESPN.com this week, and they talked about him giving his name for a for a, a an order at a burger place close to yeah. campus, and he called himself Bob. So I, I asked him about it yesterday, and he said, I mostly do it for my daughter. He said, you wouldn't believe all the different ways they spell Sonny at Starbucks. I'll just tell yeah. him Bob. And, uh, you know, he's not going to be able to call himself Bob or be anonymous much longer if they keep winning. But, Pete, this brings up the question. If you were to give yourself an alias so that the authority, Pete Thamel, were not to be recognized, or Bill, if you, uh, the metrics and analytics SP Plus guru, were not to be recognized, and both of you have a pretty standard names, but what alias would you choose? Pete, what would you go with if you were giving a fake name for your Starbucks order, your carryout order? I'd like to say about once a week uh, in game day when I when I walk out, usually on Fridays, to go over to the set to do a, a sports center hit. Somebody yells, "Hey, Reese!" <laughs> so maybe I'll just maybe I'll just use Reese. <laughs> Take that as a compliment. You won't get a better one. <laughs> I'm like, don't they see what I'm wearing? It's like ill-fitting sports writer clothing, not <laughs> not uh, a tailored dressing. toga like Reese is going to have in Eugene this weekend. You're dressing great, Bill. What uh, what would you? Honestly, I, now that I think about it, I'm kind of curious if I could pull off Sonny. I think I might try Sonny, to be honest. You you should. That would be hilarious. You should try Sonny. Yeah. Either, either with a U or an O. I want to see what they, what <laughs> if they believe me and how they spell it. You could do that, or they could go with an I-E on the end. I-E, too, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which would, which would be. What would curious. you use, Reese? Have you ever used an alias at a hotel? Uh, no, not at a, not at a hotel. Uh, I've, I've used various things just to try to uh, make my daughter roll her eyes when we're in Starbucks <laughs> or someplace. I've, you know, used like various silly names or something like that. I, well, the one I would probably use would be uh, Raymond Reddington because I'm a huge, a huge fan of the blacklist and James Sp- Spader's character in there. So I'd probably just use red. Okay. Something like that. Only one way to spell red. That's well, right. That's not true. Well, Cause you can spell R-E-A-D, I guess, but that's right. Although we did those, we did those uh, Top Gun call signs at Texas, and they sent us mugs with them on there. And I, I chose my call sign as Rawhide. So that'd be a little awkward if you if you use that as your Starbucks name. <laughs> yeah, it might be, might be. It is good. Are people asking for locks now? I think it's time. Okay. Let's hear them, boys. All right, I'm, I'm ready this point. week. This is Are rare. Go, then I'm ready. Me. I'm ready to go. This, this could be a breach of protocol, so I'll, I'll change it. But I'm going to pick the Friday night game. I feel like that's enough. That, that, does, that, does that pass, Charles? Yeah, you can do that. Sure, yeah. you can okay. do it. I'm going to pick the Friday night game. I am going to take UAB on the road at Western Kentucky. UAB is just kind of a sneaky, solid team under Bryant Vincent since, since, since Bill Clark left. They're top 20-ish on defense. They have a top 20 offense. I think they're 11th in yards play this year and they've just sort of puttered along and done a nice job they've rebounded from an early loss to uh to to rice and uh they they are the perfect antidote to what western wants to do um they're 15th in the country and uh in 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 rushing yards and i really feel like uh the old dragons can just go up and suffocate a nice solid victory in bowling green on friday night um enjoy it on your local cbs sports network affiliate I'm uh I'm looking up the weather in College Park here. Let's see, mostly sunny. Okay, good, good, good. Um, 
So I, I said earlier with Tanner Morgan, I can't really pick Minnesota without knowing about him. I feel like I can pick Maryland without knowing about Talia uh, Baloa just because they're playing Northwestern and it's 13 and a half. Um, SP Plus says basically not knowing that that Talia is out, it says Maryland by 24. So I feel like uh, a 10 and a half point cushion with with Billy Edwards, who looked okay. He's looked okay uh, in, in his little in his tiny appearances this year. If it comes down to that, I feel like they can still beat Northwestern by 14 points. That's a that's a dare to Northwestern to prove that because the only time they've stayed anywhere close, uh, you know, they got they lost by 35 to Wisconsin, which looks pretty bad after last week. They stayed within 10 and uh, of Penn State in just a slop fest up there, and it doesn't appear there's going to be a slop fest in Maryland. And so go Terps. Just about every week I'm tempted on the Superdogs and College Game Day to take Northwestern because historically there's even when uh, Fitzgerald hasn't had good teams, there's been the inexplicable rise up week, you know, where they just rise up and play well and, and beat somebody's eyes shut. Uh, so I but I don't blame you. I would I would take Maryland, too, is before I do my lock, is that going to happen at all this year? Or is Northwestern, have they pushed their chips to the middle of the table, Bill? What do you think? Well, I mean, maybe it happened in Ireland, first game of the season. Maybe. And that was that was it. They were just spent when they came once, once you know, living in the land of Fitzgerald's uh, ended and they came back to the States. Suddenly they, they had nothing left. I, I mean, they're not, it's not like there are just tons of ridiculous teams left on their schedule. They're not going to beat Ohio State, obviously, but right. you know Minnesota looks beatable. Iowa looks beatable uh, on the road. Both Purdue's oh, on the my road. Goodness. It's, Can you imagine that game, Northwestern yeah. and Iowa? Ugh. I don't. I don't. I don't want to. Oh. No. Um, well, it's fun to watch. I, you know, I say that it's always fun to watch Iowa play defense. They, they yeah. play. They, it's fun to watch them on defense. They're really good. Yeah, one of the the local reporters in Columbus this week um, pointed out that um, you know right now Ohio State's first in in offensive SP plus and 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 Iowa's first in defensive, and that doesn't yeah. happen all that often. That the the top two. So he said it'll be a really interesting matchup, and everybody immediately responded with, "Oh no, that's a terrible game!" Like, no, 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 matchup. Do match something up. else. Do something else when Iowa has the ball. <laughs> Watch it when Ohio State has the when, ball. That that's a great that that is very true. That'll be that'll be fun to watch. I did that and broke down all the different stats. I'm not, I'm not buying time. I promise. <laughs> I'm a, this, this has a chance to be my super dog on Saturday too. Uh, BYU who is flailing a little bit coming across the country, sort of a remnant of when they came across the country, although it wasn't a last minute thing like coastal Carolina going into Liberty, Liberty's getting six and a half. I'm going to go ahead and, and go with the fighting Hugh Freeze's, at least for now, um, Liberty getting six and a half as being my lock against BYU. All right, guys, those are the picks. And so proceed at your own risk. If you're listening, it's been a, been a great and entertaining week. And hopefully we'll do better in helping you out. Or maybe you've learned by this point just to listen to what we say and go the exact opposite. And you've uh, bought a new vacation home in some marvelous island tropical locale. Uh, this has been the College Game Day Podcast. We encourage you to download this. Listen three times a week, wherever it is that you like to get your podcast. Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. For Bill, Pete, Sarah, and Taylor, our entire crew, we'll see you next week.